The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. Also brought to you by GameTime. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase to save $20. Download the GameTime app now and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times in one game. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And finally, we're brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. and United can look forward and he's rolled it up here to Marcus Rashford Rashford eyeball to eyeball with White it's Rashford it's a gem he has smashed and he has grabbed it's a wonderful wonderful finish and Rashford has to play on the left they had to get him into their best position because this is exactly what he can do. Ben White sits off him. He's four or five yards away. He should get tighter. And he pays for it. Zinchenko from Ketia. Martinelli.
You are listening to Bet MUFC, or if you are a non-Man United supporter or the Premier League officials, we can change this show to hate MUFC because that would summarise their exact feelings towards Manchester United and that's probably why we suffer from the anti-Man United bias that we've suffered from in each of our last two trips to the capital. You can follow BetMUFC on X at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. You can follow the soccer gambling podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my other X account. It is simply at LockBangX. That's at LockBangX. That's where I tweet about all sports. That's where I post out free plays for you guys and also where I post my monthly P&L. The recent monthly P&L is the P&L for the month of August. The latest P&L is always the pin tweet. And the latest P&L is my 123rd month in a row of transparent and track profit. That means I've been undefeated in sports betting every single month for over a decade. I have losing days. I even have losing weeks but I've never, ever had an entire losing month. You don't need to do extensive research and scroll down that X account in order to find the other spreadsheets. If you're trying to do your research, if you're trying to do due diligence, you simply need to head over to the website lockbetting.com. If you have any further questions and want to tail the rest of my picks, just simply shoot me a DM on my X account, as I mentioned, at X. that's at X, or at SGP Soccer, that's at SGP Soccer. So moving on with this edition of Bet MUFC, it's really for me about the Arsenal game and how much of a narrative swing that truly was. Now suddenly we are a club in crisis. Now we are a club who cannot control our players. The manager is attacking Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho's attacking the manager. Anthony is the new Mason Greenwood. Manchester United are out of control. Manchester United signed injured players. Hoyland wasn't fit when he signed. Amrabat wasn't fit when he signed. It's a club in crisis. It's a club with organisational issues. It's a club with ownership issues. Blah, 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 blah. All accentuated by the fact that we have two wins and two losses and only six points back from a possible 12 from our opening four games. And that is, of course, a crisis off the back of massive improvement last season. But everybody benefits in the media when Manchester United are a club in crisis because it sells papers, because United are the biggest club in the world. And that's the situation that we are in again at the moment. It's the Ronaldo situation all over again, whilst Ronaldo obviously isn't there. When Ronaldo and Manchester United were having their dispute, it sold papers, it got column inches and it was a very, very hot topic on social media because that's what can happen with Manchester United. And we are back here again. But the narrative completely changes if Manchester United are going into this international break with three wins and one loss. Suddenly, that one loss is unlucky. 
suddenly Manchester United should have had a penalty in the first half of that game and we should be a team with a 100% record. Suddenly we're a team on the up and Arsenal are the team who aren't as good as they were supposed to be because Arsenal are a team who then only have seven points from the first 12. Man United are a team who have nine points from the first 12 and have a massive away win, something that we couldn't do last season. But instead, we suffer another loss to a top eight club. Manchester United are still woeful away from home. We've made no improvement away from home. And this time around, our home wins, unlike last season, were just two very lucky ones where Wolves dominated most of the game. And we had to come back from 2-0 down against Nottingham Forest after a very, very poor start. It's just incredible how narratives change. It was a real sliding door moment when Garnacho ridiculously had his goal disallowed. And Eric Ten Hag was right about everything that he said. The lines weren't right. You can't draw lines in like that when something is that tight. There needs to be more clarity. There needs to be a bigger gap for offside. It cannot be it's offside yes and it's offside no and have no great areas when you're drawing lines from that angle. You're looking at where shirts finish. You're looking at armpits and all kinds of nonsense like that. Arsene Wenger is right in what he said in in terms of there needs to be clarity. And Eric Ten Hag was clear in what he said about the lines. He was also right about what he said in in relation to Rasmus Hoyland should have had a penalty earlier on. Arsenal fans that are complaining about the Kai Havertz penalty, that was absolutely ridiculous. He kicked his leg into Ambasaka's leg to deliberately trip himself up and should have been booked for that. It was completely different to what happened to Rasmus Hoyland. And uh, this goal being disallowed was um, absolutely ridiculous as well. Now, there's no excuse for Manchester United losing for the second season in a row in injury time to Arsenal. We should be able to see that game out so that we at least don't lose it because then you'd have Arsenal on eight points, Man United on seven points, Man United got a point away to Arsenal who are being very much lauded as genuine title contenders. I don't disagree because if Manchester United are supposed to be as bad as people are making out, how did Manchester United comfortably keep Arsenal at bay and dominate the ball for large possessions and basically control the game. Arsenal didn't really threaten Manchester United throughout the game. Manchester United were able to slow the game down. They were able to encourage Arsenal to press them and they were good enough already at the very early stage of this new tactical style that Eric Ten Hag wants to implement. And they were very, very good at actually playing through the lines already. We're only four games in and that's what your casual fan doesn't understand. Eric Ten Hag's trying to do something completely different now. That's why we have Unana there. That's why we're playing it out and playing it round at the back so much. It seems like at times we're messing around. It seems like we're scared. It's, it seems scary to watch because you're not used to seeing Manchester United playing that way. But when Brighton do it and when De Zerbi implements it, Brighton are the most revolutionary team in, in the whole EPL. And this is a manager who needs to move on to bigger and better things. And all Brighton's players are suddenly a £100 million talents. But when Manchester United do it, they don't know what they're doing. They're scary. They're boring. They, they, they don't know how to penetrate. They look confused in what they're doing. All these, all these things that I heard in terms of um, how, how Man United would judge for this performance against Arsenal. But I clearly saw a team 
who are trying to dominate possession, trying to encourage the team to press them, whilst Manchester United maintained possession of the ball, allowed that team to press whilst chasing shadows and were able to progress through the lines in order to set up counter-attacking moments and utilise the assets that Manchester United have, which is the um, quick pace forwards who can take advantage of teams who have pressed too far up the pitch. Because if you press too high up and Manchester United manage to play through the lines, you can guarantee the pace of the likes of Garnacho, Rashford and especially now Matt Rasmus Hoyland are going to hurt you. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens in this game against Brighton because Brighton in the game against West Ham fell victim to that. They were susceptible to the pace encounter all the time. And West Ham, a team who don't have the same quality of personnel as Manchester United, ripped Brighton apart. But at the same time, if Manchester United don't efficiently play through the lines and aren't able to play through the lines as teams are pressing. Brighton are very good at pressing and getting possession back in the half of the pitch. And there could be some very scary moments if our centre-backs or our defensive midfielders are dispossessed by a very good pressing team like like Brighton. We could continually be losing possession in our own half of the pitch. And that could lead to our first home defeat in over a year in the EPL tomorrow against Brighton. But we'll move on to that game shortly. I do want to actually hear from Eric Ten Hag. And I want to hear from him twice on this show because his reaction to the Arsenal game was a very rare angry one. We don't really see Eric Ten Hag venting as much as he did after the Arsenal one. And of course, we want to talk about um, the the look-ahead game as well, which is the game against Brighton tomorrow. We're not going to go too deeply. In fact, we're not going to go into the Sancho and Anthony situations at all. We're going to save that for the Bayern Munich preview show because Man United begin their Champions League campaign against Bayern Munich on Wednesday. So we'll talk a little bit about the Sancho and Anthony situations there. And of course, we'll recap this game against Brighton. Hopefully, we'll have positive things to say about it because Manchester United are strong and they have been strong at at strong at Old Trafford, that is. And they have been strong at Old Trafford when their backs have been up against the wall. And that's certainly the situation tomorrow coming off the back of this international break. I think it would be a very, very massive win if we can overcome all of this pressure and all of this criticism and win this game against Brighton tomorrow. So before we listen to Ten Hag, before we preview the game, let me take a quick pause here to tell you guys about DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games and you can get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use the code SGP to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take them $200 instantly in bonus bets. So all you need to do is head over to DraftKings. It's only with DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-G-A-M-B-L-E-R. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Let me also take this quick pause to tell you guys about game time. Buying tickets for me is always frustrating. Um, I've had a frustrating 
day-to-day, constantly checking the Manchester United site, trying to get two tickets together for tomorrow's game. Very, very annoying. Always stressed out buying tickets, whether it be here in the UK, in the US, whether it be MLB, UFC, NFL, WWE. It's never fun when you're trying to get last-minute tickets. Buying tickets your favourite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time, though, is a fast and easy way to buy those tickets for all sports, music, comedy and theatre events near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can actually stop stressing over the tickets and start getting the hype for the fun you'll have um, unless you're watching your sports team being beaten, which is something I am concerned about for tomorrow. More on that in a second. Um, get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 100%, 110% of the difference with that game time guarantee. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use your promo code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code SGPN to make this even sweeter with $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets for the lowest price guaranteed. Eric, thank you so much for coming out to speak to us. Just talk us through your emotions after that incredible finish to the game. I think the performance is right for us. I think we played a very good game, but yeah, Everything went against us, and yeah, then, uh, yeah, of course, then you don't win the game. And if you're a little bit more luck, you win the game. What do you feel in particular went against you? You saw the game, but it's no offside, uh, wrong angle. It's a penalty on Hoyland, and then we could see the goal. That's a foul on Johnny Evans. It's so clear and obvious. Yeah, and okay, then you can tell. Finish your chances, then you can tell, don't concede the goal after your goal 1-0 up. Yeah, it's all true, but I think there's really a step forward and I was happy with the performance. So you think the performance was a big step forward for you? Uh, absolutely. In what way? Tell us. I'll be now, we are more compact, we are very good defending, um, high block, lower block, everyone was involving and then we break like the first goal. I think on the ball we were calm. And of course, I see definitely also uh, room for improvement. And I see the moment where we can go forward. Uh, we missed, I think, some passes forward. But uh, then we even could have heard them more. But I think all over, I'm happy with the performance from the team. It's interesting, though, that you, the first thing you talked about was the offside. And it's in the 88th minute of the game. Yeah. You know, we've just spoken to Declan Rice. He thought that that was game set a match for Manchester United. We've been told, though, that offside is offside. It either is or it isn't. Yeah, it is. So you have to accept it. But I see the angle. I see. I don't see it as offside. Have you so- sought any clarification on that from the no, officials? No, but that doesn't change. That doesn't change the result. Eh? It's what it is. You have to accept it. Tell us about the role that Hoyland played in the game when he came on. Did you think he changed it in your favour? I think he played very good. But also, I think Anthony Marshall was a very good performance. So I was pleased. And definitely, I think Rasmus Hoyland had a very good impact on the game. We take a break now, of course. Four games in, it's the international break. You've, you've won two matches. You've lost two matches here in North London. How do you reflect on your start? Yeah, of course, you want to take more from it. And 
first game uh, was not our game. Uh, then there we had a, a, a little look. Also maybe a penalty not penalty given. And now I think and in Spurs uh, there was a penalty uh, what we should have had. And now again, so yeah, that feels a little bit yeah, nasty. Uh, but yeah, you have to accept it. But as I said, I see a good pattern. I see a trend line going up and. Yeah, that is what we take and yeah, we go in the international break and then we continue. Do you think then, from what you've seen, the progress that you're talking about, that you will be challenging the likes of Arsenal again to get closer to Manchester City this season? Uh, we have to improve, definitely. But you see, uh, and also what we have seen last year, we can beat everyone. Uh, when it was such small margins today, so it could also have been our side. So when... Ghana is finishing and it's a goal and we're winning this game so it's that close like I often do I almost agree with everything that he has to say but I want to reiterate one thing that fans need to understand I think last season was very much an audition for Eric Ten Hag is this the right man for the job can he iron out some of the issues at Manchester United? Is he a good manager? Is he a good fit? Is he big enough to handle this massive club? And I think he found all of the answers. He needed some of his signings to come in. But ultimately, he was working what with what Manchester United had. And it's a results-based business. And he did the best with what he had there and um, did what he had to do to get the results. I think that's what we need to look at as last season, as an audition for Eric Ten Hag. And um, he played every game to win. Manchester United obviously got themselves into a sticky situation after two games, but he showed what type of manager he is. He was very, very resilient and got us out of that situation and got the best out of every player. And when I say he played those games to win... He didn't go straight in there and implement what he wanted to do stylistically because we saw at the start of the season, particularly in the Brentford game, Manchester United didn't have the personnel to play the way that Eric Ten Hag wanted to play. And this is something that supporters don't understand. This is the way Ten Hag wants to play, the way that we played in the games that we lost to Brighton and we lost to Brentford. So in order to stop that season being an absolute disaster, he had to utilise his managerial skills. He had to show us what Eric Ten Hag was about. And he had to show us that he did and could handle the club and he needed to get Manchester United back to where they were. He would have preferred to have doing it by playing the style that he wants to play and a long and, and implementing his long term vision for Manchester United. But he couldn't because he could clearly tell if Manchester United continued to play that way, we might have ended up being a mid table team, a team who started the season really poorly and maybe started to improve in the second half of the season as people understood what Ten Hag was trying to do. He also understood he might not get that time because if Manchester United were in the bottom half at Christmas, we wouldn't be as forgiving as Chelsea were. He wouldn't have had the time that Graham Potter had. Graham Potter was woeful and uh, we couldn't see what Graham Potter was trying to do. The Chelsea job was actually too big for him. I don't think this job was or is too big for Ten Hag. He just had to do what he had to do in order to get Manchester United back when they needed to be, which was in the Champions League and got us into two cup finals and won a trophy as well. So I think that ended up being more of an audition in terms of saying, look, this is what I can do 
But if I do it my way, it would benefit the team long term a lot more. I think that's what we're seeing at the start of the season. We are possibly seeing results being sacrificed a little bit in order to get this style right. And perhaps this will be another season where we just need to be realistic and get into the Champions League as we then use this second season to get more used to the way Ten Hag wants us to play. But um, with the results against Tottenham and Arsenal, I think you could argue that we could have a 100% record. And this narrative about this season being so awful and Manchester United going backwards again and this one step forward, two steps back kind of philosophy that's, um, that, that, that's being, that's being pointed at us. I, I don't think that's completely valid. I think it's an overreaction and the media and supporters are full of overreactions. And I don't think you get those overreactions here on the show. I always think this show is fair. I always think this show is balanced and uh, I'm not going to overreact to anything. Is it disappointing to lose to Arsenal like that? Yes. Do I think the goal was onside? Yes. Do I think we should have had a penalty? Yes. Do I think we should have had a penalty against Tottenham? Yes. Do I think that we were lucky to win, win against Wolves? Yeah. Um, but if we had 10 points, if we had one point from the Wolves game and, and drop points in the opening game and then we won the next three, would that be fair too? Yeah, it would be. And that would be a very good start to the season as well. So um, I'm not going to overreact to it. VAR has gone against us for our away games and um, hopefully we can get our third win in the first five and things look a little bit better for us after this weekend. So we're going to move on to focusing on that game. We're going to hear what Eric Ten Hag has to say about that upcoming game against Brian, and then we're going to look at the odds. Before we do that, let me take this quick pause to tell you guys about Hall of Fame Bets. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame's app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Let me also tell you about Underdog Fantasy, where this week they have a special promotion where they're giving away $100,000. All you need to do is make a pick'em selection that includes tours, passing yards. It's 277.5, higher or lower. The underdog is going to select, sorry, underdogs is going to select 10 random winners to give out 10k to each of them. So watch along, make your picks and maybe make a little catch over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy and that promo code SGPN. <laughs> Eric, um, could you first of all clarify whether Jaden Sancho is in the squad for tomorrow? And also, there was a lot has happened since you spoke to the media after the Arsenal game. Could you just kind of give us an indication of what's happening and, and why there's this issue? We close the game. And we, um, yeah. we work on the feedback. We give the team feedback. Uh, I think we played very well in Arsenal. You could already see before the game, we trained very well, we played very well. I think uh, we deserved much more in Arsenal. It was not on our side. Uh, that was definitely the outcome of our analyse. Uh, but you see, we are progressing uh, against a good Arsenal. But uh, a minimum, we had, to deserve, uh, we had to get a draw there. And I think uh, we should have won there. But we didn't, but we take the performance. And also in the last two days, when all the players, they came back, 
Uh, we trained very well and we are ready to fight Brighton. Uh, very good Brighton, but we are really looking forward to. We have a lot of energy. But I say we have a good fight, so we are ready for it. With respect, I asked you about Jadon Sancho and your his response to what you said after that game and also the statement that came out yesterday, whether there's been any resolution to that. I think everything is set. So, and as I said, squad is strong, squad is in good spirit, good mood, go into the game. It, it doesn't feel as though there's a good mood when you consider the Jaden situation. Anthony obviously is not available to you. How can the squad be in? <laughs> they are very good because yeah, you have um, you have sometimes setbacks in seasons. Uh, players are uh, injured or other reasons. They are not available, and therefore, and you construct a squad. And yeah, and the squad is very good. And players who are available are very motivated to give a good performance. Eric, can you give us an insight into who is available for this game then? Alessandro Martinez, is he okay to play? Yes. N- no issues with his injury anymore then? No. Uh, Victor Lindelof's okay? Yes. Uh, Mason Mount? No. Raphael Varane? Uh, no, but uh, both are in a good place. They are, uh, I think, shortly before a return. Uh, can I ask you about Harry Maguire as well? The England manager, Gareth Southgate, and Harry's mum actually have spoken out about some of the abuse that, that Harry's received over the last few weeks, months, even years for, for Harry, the way it's been going. H- how have you supported him through this situation you see him on a day-to-day basis here around the club? Yeah, but I think already I've said many times it's, not, it's disrespectful. He doesn't deserve it. He's a great player. He's given great performances. Um, uh, it's crazy, but yeah, well, it's how it works. And Harry has, uh, has to block this by performances. And obviously, Harry said as well that he feels he's able to cope with the, the, the criticism, the scrutiny, the abuse. On a, on a day-to-day basis, like I say, being here around him, how do you see him dealing with that? Yeah, good, but it's unjustified. <laughs> if you see his career, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great career. Uh, and it has a lot to come. And as I said, I, he has to block it by good performances. Thank you. Uh, hi, Eric. Um, how much do you feel sometimes a bit of a, a father figure to some of these players? Or the, or the management you have to do around them? You know, it's not just what they're doing on the training pitch, is it? No. <laughs> it's uh, also uh, uh, you live uh, with the generation. It's about um, team constructions, the group dynamic, but it's always about team. And team is ahead of anything else. But yeah, in the team, anyone plays his role, and anyone is different, has um, different characters, and yeah, you uh, you have to uh, to manage those characters. Uh, but also, yeah, as I said, the team is always above anything else. Uh, and you know, we, we know that you can have a, a very very strict line sometimes. Are you do you stick to that with these players, or, or have you been able to give a bit more more leeway to some than others? Yeah, but <clears throat> strict line, that is what the, the point, but uh, the, the club asked me uh, because there was uh, no good culture before I entered last season uh, to set some standards, and that's what I did. Yeah, then it's my job uh, to control the standards. And, and of course, it's not, uh, it's never have been as well that someone, when you make one mistake, uh, no, there are, it's a whole process. Uh, um, before you come to a certain outcome uh, about strict lines. Uh, but yeah, if uh, 
staff of players or, or whatever who, eh? if they, uh, if there's a structure uh, to cross lines, uh, you have to be be strong, absolutely. And you mentioned there about, about culture and how the club's changed since you arrived. Of course, Brighton was your first Premier League game. Where do you see this team now against Brighton again compared to when you first started? Oh, I, I, I love it to play them huh? because it's typical. And we had uh, two great games uh, in, in spring against them. You saw it was really head-to-head. And we know we have to play tomorrow to our best um, because they will uh, let you sacrifice and suffer. But also, yeah, it gives you a lot of options. So I'm really looking forward to going through that fight. Thank you. Okay, well, sorry. Uh, okay, what's the question? Sorry. Do you have an idea how long Anthony may be away from the club? No idea. You've spoken to him over the last few days. Is he okay? Yeah, of course, he's disappointed, but he is okay. Yeah, I don't quite understand how Mickey Mouse managed to get in on the Man United press conference and ask a question there to Eric Ten Hag. Perhaps he was doing that on behalf of all the child Man United supporters around the world. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, he managed to wrangle his way in there anyway. But um, interesting stuff there from Ten Hag. Spoke very openly about how the club said that he needed to implement more strict policies. And he really did. Because this club was a little bit of a shit show. You could see that all across the board. Just by the way that some of the players trained in in 2021. I remember going down to Carrington, the training ground. And um, training was set to begin at 9.30am. And Edson Cavani would be speeding in at 924 and then training would finish at about 12 and Jesse Lingard was out of there out of uh, Carrington at five past 12 zooming down the road zooming past young kids who wanted him to stop and um, Cristiano Ronaldo would be coming out at 2 p.m having gone to the gym after training or eaten at old uh, at Carrington sorry after training and just having a completely different type of philosophy, a different type of culture to someone like Lingard. So yeah, this club needed sorting out and obviously it's still a huge job, a big job that Tenag has on his hands, but he's tackling it. And again, that's something that supporters need to understand. Moving on to this game against Brighton tomorrow, Ten Hag said he's looking forward to it. Man United are the narrow favourites to win it at the price of 13 to 10. It's plus 130 on the money line. It's 3 to 1 on the draw and it's 9 to 5 here on Brighton. It's difficult to make a strong case for United to win tomorrow other than putting at United's strong home strong home record. Obviously, Manchester United haven't lost a home game since in the Premier League since Brighton were last at Old Trafford, which was on the opening day of last season. They have been beaten at home since then. They lost their first Europa League game in the group to Real Sociedad, but that was over a year ago. So it has been a strong, strong record for Manchester United on their own patch. Obviously, there are a lot of question marks over United and a lot of people will be looking to 
oppose them here against Brighton tomorrow. Brighton have made the better start. They've won three of the four games in this season's Premier League. United have conceded in each of the last three matches coming into this. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the three-one loss and even the two-nil loss against Tottenham, they were down to sucker punches. We were sucker punched by two of the better teams in the EPL this season. Tottenham looked good, and Arsenal expected to challenge for the title. Whilst Brighton, they suffered their own sucker punch at the hands of West Ham, and in a way, Manchester United are getting an opponent who are tailor-made for them here. If Manchester United are going to play through the lines and they're going to invite Brighton on, and if they can play through Brighton, then we can set up our own counter-attacks against Brighton. And likewise, if we allow Brighton to dominate the ball possession, then we can allow Brighton to overcommit players forward and again catch him on the counter-attack. If we can improve our pressing, we can press Brighton whilst they try to do the same thing, which is encourage Manchester United, impressed, uh, Manchester United to, imp- uh, to press them and to play through our lines. So it is very much two teams who are a mirror image of each other, but you should really lean towards United in that situation because we do have the better personnel. Uh, although Brighton are a little bit more used to playing this Deserby way of playing because Eric Ten Hag had to switch his tactics midway through last season to play a different style. So um, it should favour United in one aspect, but Brighton are more used to it. And um, the other side of it, of course, is that Manchester United are at home where they've been very, very successful as of late. Now, Lately, the Man United-Brighton games have been quite low scoring where these two teams have cancelled each other out. Tomorrow, it's very, very difficult for me not to see both teams finding the net. Manchester United, whilst they have, haven't looked as bad as people have said so far this season, they've always looked likely to concede over a 90-minute period. And I think tomorrow will be no different. So I think taking BTTS with the over two and a half goals is certainly a way you could play this game. Not in love with the price of four to six minus 150. I think that's a little bit short. Therefore, I will be moving on to Manchester United to get the win tomorrow instead. I'm going to take Manchester United in the draw no bet market though. So I'm not going to make a full commitment to United winning this game in the 90 minute period and losing our bet if it is a draw. I'm simply going to take Manchester United in the draw no bet market. This pushes if it's a draw and it wins if United win. And this is available at the price of three to four. I think this is the right way to play this game. I don't see Brighton coming to Old Trafford and picking up the win. Manchester United had their backs against the wall and every time last season their backs were against the wall and they had a game at Old Trafford, we responded. And I do believe that once again, the players will be able to respond again. Varane being out is a concern. Players being out such as Anthony is a concern as well. The the trouble behind the scenes is a concern as well. But Ten Hag said he has a squad to choose from and the squad are motivated for this game and I have confidence going into this game with um, 
Dallow and Wambasaka playing as the fullbacks, Unana being the goalkeeper, starting with the centre back pairing of Martinez and Lindelof if Martinez is fit enough to start the game. Obviously, if Maguire comes in, that's a different story. Casemiro sitting in front of them now. We're we are a little bit more into the season. Casemiro hopefully looks a little bit more fitter. Um, he has looked off the pace at times. I think Bruno Fernandes has been solid and consistent again. And I expect Fernandes to play alongside Ericsson tomorrow, which is something that he is familiar with. I don't see us starting with Scott McTominay, despite how good he's playing for Scotland, despite there being a clamouring for us to start with Scott McTominay. And uh, up front, we have a lot of pace there. I think we're going to go with our fastest attack, which is going to be Hoyland, Rashford on the left where he should be playing and Garnacho on the right-hand side. That's a scary attack who can cause this Brighton defence many, many problems. So I don't see us losing this game tomorrow, but I am going to take the push protection because obviously this game could be a draw. And I think if it is a draw, you're going to be looking at potentially a 2-2 scoreline as opposed to a 1-0 scoreline because I think Brighton are going to find it difficult to stop Manchester United scoring and maybe scoring a couple of goals in this game whilst at the other end of the pitch it would not surprise me at all to see Manchester United penetrated twice given the way that they've defended so far this season especially if we have to play Harry Maguire in this team who looks completely shot of confidence that would be massively concerning and perhaps we'd have to readdress this pick if that is the situation but for now I think that we're going to go with Lindelof and with Martinez and therefore we will take Manchester United to get it done in the draw no bet market Manchester United as a pick and that's going to be your main lean for this show at the price of three to four so that concludes this edition of Bet MUFC. As I've mentioned, there will be another edition in the week that's going to be previewing the game against Bayern Munich. It's going to be looking back at this game against Brighton, hopefully looking back at a win. And we'll use that show to deep dive a little bit deeper into the issues surrounding both Jaden Sancho and Anthony. Two very different issues. One's discipline. Well, they're both kind of disciplinary, but one is completely different to the other either way. So hopefully we can find a little bit more time to talk about those. But this was already a 42-minute show. So I decided to put those topics on the back burner and uh, perhaps we can get a little bit more into them next time. But that's definitely not a promise. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.